Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. Today on the Ether, Sommelier Finance hosts a debrief on how real yield USD weathered the USDC DPEG. Let's take a listen. Thanks everyone for, for joining today. We have an exciting space uh, queued up for you. We have Zaki um, and Sun. And we'll be discussing the real yield USD vault and how it weathered the USDC DPEG from a couple weeks ago. So a lot of cool insights into the capabilities of Sommelier and Sommelier vaults. Uh, and then just some interesting market analysis on like what actually goes down in some of these DPEGs and, and some of the cues you can find. So really excited. Um, just to kick us off, Zeki and Sun, do you want to introduce yourselves? I'm Sun. I'm CEO of Seven Seas, which is a strategy development team. Uh, we build strategies on Sommelier, and we're the team behind Really Old USD, which is our most successful vault. I'm uh, Zaki, co-founder of Sommelier. Um, I think most people who would be coming to the space probably know me. Okay, sounds good. Um, so, Sun, you you mentioned that Seven Seas is a data science team behind. Um, Real Yield USD. Do you want to just give a quick overview on the Real Yield USD vault, and then we can dive in uh, to the more specifics of the DPEG event? Sure. So Real Yield USD is a uh, stablecoin vault that is uh, pretty much the best uh, risk-adjusted return yield yield uh, stablecoin yields on Ethereum. Uh, we're able to accomplish that by essentially being really good at uni v3 take optimization i think there's a ton of content out there about uh, how real yield usd is able to to achieve its yields but essentially it's this product that you get if you have the constraints of number one you only want exposure to like blue chip stable coins right so die usdc usdt and two you want to earn like organic fees from blue chip protocols right so that's uh, not fees from incentives, not like yield farming, but uh, fee, uh, fees that are generated from actual organic usage, right? So Real Yield USD it, uh, does this by optimally allocating, uh, you know, its stablecoin assets to Aave, Compound, and then LPing on Uniswap V3. And the Uniswap V3 piece is kind of the the like magic sauce in how it's able to achieve better yields than pretty much any competing vault on Ethereum mainnet. Got it. And I know, you know, our, these vaults are, are very sophisticated and can handle a, a wide variety of circumstances, including like tremendous market volatility. Um, Zaki, I know you and the rest of the team spent a lot of time thinking about designing a, a really sophisticated platform that can handle a wide variety of events. Can you just 
briefly describe the inspiration behind the design of Sommelier, and then we'll we'll get into the deep egg stuff. Yeah, I think the 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 core inspiration here is you know it's handling you know handling these. So, you know, like, okay, so, you know, what was the thing that, like, triggered this whole event was, like, a, a banking crisis and bank failures, right? Um, and all of this had at its route, you know, the, uh, like, the fact that the, like, modern financial system is opaque, um, but it's also, you know, not really designed for a world where, you know, uh, uh, you know, tens of billions of dollars a matter of hours because of, you know, changing information from social media. So, you know, when we're imagining what sommelier is, sommelier is, is, is a new way, is a way of like uh, accessing DeFi. Um, but what you're trying to do is you're trying to make um, a system that can respond dynamically to the world um, where there's like, where there is a team of, of, of people who are looking out for you. But unlike the conventional world where, right, you put all of your funds into a bank and you can't really see who they're lending to, what, pro, you know, what they're doing with the funds, and then you wake up and you're like, oh, all of the money is in, uh, uh, in you know, underwater treasury bonds. Um, and if everyone tries to leave, there's not enough capital for them to leave, um, you know, is, is, is kind of not what we want. Um, and so the whole inspiration of sommelier is to like thread this very fine needle of, you know, accessing advanced capabilities, but while still getting transparency, visibility, instant liquidity, all of these things that DeFi offers. Got it. Got it. Um, that, that's helpful context. So, son, let's, let's get into the, the nitty gritty. So um, I guess what happened during the, the DPEG event and how did Real Yield USD navigate those market conditions? Yeah, so, you know, just to echo what Saki mentioned, the kind of root cause of this was a, was a banking crisis. Um, uh, the, the kind of news that actually created kind of like volatile market conditions was that Circle had some undisclosed amount of exposure uh, to Silicon Valley Bank. Um, that, you know, kind of happened at the beginning of the weekend. Over the course of the weekend, more information came out and there were a huge variety of marking conditions, tons of volatility in pretty much every stable coin. Liquidity source, many, many stable coins depegged, right? USDT is one of, I think, like two that, uh, that tons of capital fled into, started trading at a huge premium. Through all of these market conditions, um, you know, really USD did what, it was expected to do, which is it performed pretty well. Uh, and I think we can get more into what, you know, what we mean by that, like what aspects of the strategy were successful learning experiences, but uh, all things considered, uh, strategy performed as expected. Yields were inflated for that period of time. Uh, our, you know, the, the real yield asset exposure was always diversified by that, I mean, at the most, uh, you know, there was 50% of real USD's assets were in USDC, uh, but that actually was re reduced to 25% uh, pretty early on. 
and 50% into Tether and then 25% into DAI. So I think one of the main reasons that USD was able to successfully navigate this, this event was uh, due to like stablecoin diversification. Got it. So maybe you can start to walk us through, because I think Friday is when, maybe Friday afternoon, some news started breaking and uh, maybe Friday evening, you started to see things in the market. Can you just maybe walk us through a timeline of things the team was monitoring and like what indicators they were they were looking out for? Yes. So the the initial kind of news broke sometime on Friday. Um, that news was again very vague, right? Some undisclosed amount of circle exposure to Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, already at that point, market started moving. Um, and you know what the Seven Cs team does is that we have, you know, we we essentially have uh, various sources that we monitor uh, for situations like this. Some of them on chain, some of them off chain. One of the Im- most important um, stablecoin indicators on chain is actually three pool composition. Um, you see a lot of the time that uh, when when three pool starts to become very imbalanced, right? Like a becomes imbalanced to a point where it's statistically like significant. Uh, that is a very good sign that very soon, um, you know, other liquidity sources are going to follow. So in this particular case, the first thing that we noticed was that three pool is being heavily traded against, right? Uh, Uniswap V3 is actually slower to react, which is which is interesting. Um, so that was kind of the first signal that, you know, interesting things were happening in the market alongside this news that of circle exposure. Got it. Okay. And um, what what was the behavior that was going on within that three pool? Yeah. So initially, um, basically, USDT liquidity in that pool began to plummet. Um, what's interesting is that Dai and USDC uh, balances increased in parallel, which showed that you know at least in the beginning. People weren't dif- differentiating between Dai and USDC, right? Like, there's this meme that Dai is just wrapped USDC, and you could see that here that Dai was in- initially pretty much depegging right alongside uh, USDC. Um, so that's one thing that was interesting. Um, of course, eventually, once USDT liquidity dried up, uh, then there was some differentiation, and Dai liquidity also plummeted. And you know, USDC at one point was had a huge imbalance in the three pool. Soon after that is when things started to get crazy in Uniswap V3. Uh, so, you know, the USDC, USDT pool is like kind of the pool that really yield USD plays in. Um, in that pool, Tether premium shot to like astronomical numbers. So, you know, I, I couldn't even tell you. It's like 100 basis points or, or a couple hundred basis points was like, you know, maybe average, but really volatile, um, you know, very liquidity really dried up to actually to the point that I've never seen in that pool, which is also interesting. One thing that I think is important is that throughout this whole thing, really old USD was not quoting on Uniswap V3. That's like, I think one of the essential uh, pieces. And this is like something that we strive to do in any, you know, extreme market conditions, which is that when things are going crazy, you don't want to be left with like stale quotes, uh, market making on Uniswap V3. In this particular instance, 
Uh, we actually weren't, you know, Real LDSD was not quoting on Uniswap V3 before that news broke. Uh, so it was very easy to just not quote. Um, you know, in general, if we were quoting, once that news came out, uh, step one is just like stopping that, right? That's one of the easiest things that we can do and as in terms of risk mitigation. So, you know, continuing the story here, Uniswap V3, uh, prices went crazy. Things on other exchanges followed. What was interesting, which I think, you know, is another piece we can get into is how much the market kind of overreacted to this news, right? Eventually through the weekend, the actual uh, like concrete amount of exposure came out and the market was pricing, pricing the risk in like a really uh, funny way, you know? So another thing we can talk about. Got it. So three pools going crazy, liquidity uh, for USDT is drying up. You're seeing the volatility creep throughout DeFi and even on centralized exchanges, the USDC, USDT pool on Uniswap, very volatile and yeah, somewhere you, you don't want to be as a market maker. Uh, the strategy is on Aave and Compound at this time. And can you just describe like the composition of stable coins and how you arrived at the composition? And, you know, whether you prefer to have air compound just while markets going haywire. Yeah. So, you know, initially when the news broke out, we actually so really LGST had no uh, die exposure. It was pretty much 50 percent USDT, 50 percent USDC. Um, we kind of were assessing the situation. Uh, there was kind of there was an opportunity to actually reduce that USDC exposure and switch to die. This was before. Uh, the premium on DAI started increasing relative to USDC. Uh, it's interesting to like observe other pools in the market. So the DAI USDC pool, for example, which is like 99% run by Arrakis, that's an interesting story. But that pool did not like move, right? Like you know, this is this is clearly different. Arrakis's model is clearly very different, right? They maintain their like four take liquidity that is always there. And for a long time, you could exchange uh, USDC and DAI on that pool one-to-one. -one. Of course, over time, um, that changed, right? That pool also became essentially 100% USDC. Um, but in the beginning, when that pool was still super balanced uh, is when we decided to exit from 25% uh, of the overall portfolio into DAI. So pretty much throughout the weekend, our portfolio was 25% DAI, 25% USDC, 50% USDT. Now, um, those assets were all pretty much supplied to Compound. Uh, that's the reasoning for that was pretty much that Compound has better rates. Uh, that's that's pretty much what we've been doing. Uh, so no, like you know, no really interesting choice there between Aave and Compound. What was interesting is that. Throughout the course of the weekend, you know, I mentioned that the market was like kind of mispricing this event and it, like the, the USDC DPEG at one point was like 90 cents, which would only make sense if as if they if Circle got zero percent back from Silicon Valley Bank, which is essentially impossible. Right. So I think there were some sophisticated market participants that noticed this and started to um lever short USDT, right? To go levered long on USDC. Because of that, we saw supply rates in USDT skyrocket both in Aave and in Compound. 
we were lending uh, USDT on compound at the time. So, you know, really old USD benefited significantly from that. But that, you know, that was the thing that was fairly surprising, I think. If there was something that was like the most surprising thing to me in this whole event, it's how much the market overreacted uh, to this news, like objectively, and uh, you know the the arbitrage and like lending opportunities that resulted from that. And, and when you say lending rates skyrocketed for USDT, can you just give folks uh, a sense of the magnitude there? Because I think it's probably pretty surprising. Yeah, I mean. The average, so the real yield USD in particular earned an average of like 25% APY over that weekend from lending USDT, but at its peak, you know, the APYs were like in the hundreds, right? Which is absurd. Uh, the utilization rates were were extremely high. Uh, it, it actually got high enough that on both Aave and Compound for a short period of time, with uh, full withdrawals weren't possible because there was so much like borrow utilization. Um, so pretty pretty interesting stuff. Uh, Euler was another one at the time that people were employing this like leverage short USDT strategy. Uh, same story there, like in the hundreds of percent APY for lending USDT on Euler. Got it. And Zucky, you've been through, I, I just want to take a like a quick pause to, to zoom out a, a little bit uh, to contextualize this like weekend versus other notable days in crypto. Saki, you've been through a few cycles now. How did this weekend and like the volatility compare to some of the other um, notable days? I mean, we've had, um, we've had some fairly significant tether DPEG events um, in the history of crypto. Um, so like, you know, we're, you know, USDC is 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 a much newer stablecoin than Tether is, um, uh, and you know is I think has like the the psychology and the market structure are both different, um, but you know have commonality with them because they both sort of uh, involve entry and exit through the the banking system um, and potential loss of confidence in the ability to, to do that. I think, uh, yeah, I, 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 I largely think, you know, USDC is going to, I largely think USDC is going to weather the storm is, is, is mostly my, my expectation. I also think we got a, it, it, it surprised me that, um, so many large actors in crypto responded um you know i think less calculate like a more fear driven manner um there was like more fear uh driving trading activity in stable coins um among large entities than i would have expected and um that 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 was the other um sort of surprise for me about this event um you know i i you know we are supposedly you know, we supposedly have a lot of institutional holders, um, and I, you know, observably have a lot of more institutional participation in crypto. Um, and you know, the question is, you know, how 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 uh, pragmatic and like rational are they in in times of stress and fear? Um, and it definitely shows that, like, you know, there's there's a level of irrationality, and there's own, and you know, there are also opportunities that that creates. 
Got it. And the the SOM protocol itself has been through like FTX blow up day, uh, and and now this I think is the other major yeah blow up day. So how? I mean, this is the biggest blow up day where we really did have a product at scale in the market, right? Um, uh, you know, and I think we got uh. You know, it was both. I think the you know the the the, the performance really speaks for itself. Um, are are there as like an infrastructure layer for these strategists? Is there something you're looking for the protocol to do, or like as they as it weathers these events? Um, I think it just it 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 gives us increased confidence. Um, that the um of like the number of things that the protocol can handle the number of complex situations. Um, and hopefully, uh, more strategists will, you know, will look at that track record and it'll give them confidence in bringing their strategies and like launching strategies on the platform. Got it. Got it. I think that's helpful. Uh, so son, it's been, uh, a few weeks since then. What, what sort of things have you noticed in that, uh, like USDC, USDT pool, and like just the dynamics between some of the different stable coins when it comes to to pricing. The USDC, USDT pool uh, was very slow to recover in the sense that the, and this is more broadly true for like the premium on Tether. Uh, Tether for, you know, even now to this day has been trading at a premium uh, relative to USDC. It was much larger like a couple of days ago, literally in the past few days, that premium has more or less come down to like, you know, reasonable bounds. Um, but that was like that slow healing process was interesting. It, the premium on Tether is likely due to like the mint and redeem fees on or the premium on, premium on USDT is likely due to the mint and redeem fees on Tether. Um, so, you know, the kind of risk of, of market making while there's this huge premium is impermanent loss, right? Like if you're quoting Tether at like 50 base of 50 basis point premium and the market corrects very quickly, you know, you'll, you could be left with this huge impermanent loss. Uh, so the, the way that like really LDUSD has been dealing with this is by, you know, first it took a while for us to start quoting again, right? We gave it like, I think a week or a week and a half then, you know, we allocated a small amount of the portfolio back to Uniswap V3. Uh, and slowly, as the premium on Tether has been coming down, we've been allocating more and more. I think right now it's about um, 40% of assets are are being quoted on Uniswap V3. So, you know, it's it's it was this kind of slow recovery process. There were definitely the crazy yields to be made um, if, you know, if some anyone wanted to like DGEN market make Tether at like a hundred basis point premium. But um, that's, you know, that's obviously not the approach that real, that's not what really LDUSD kind of stands for. So it was just this process of, you know, slowly returning to normal market conditions. And I think we're pretty much there where, you know, we can expect yields to be what they've been uh, historically for the vault. Got it. And so I think if memory serves me right, the vault went into the weekend, into this crisis weekend, maybe around 6% uh, yield since inception. And I think it's in the sevens now. So is that sort of accurate? So like weathered the storm pretty well and actually came out uh, slightly better off just because of some of those uh, interesting lending dynamics you described? 
Yeah, I think the you know the or get like the kind of ignoring or neglecting this this whole event. Organic yields probably around six and a half to seven percent. Um, that weekend kind of bumped things up to north of eight percent, and things are reverting back to to essentially what they were before. Got it. Okay, and you mentioned some of the surprising things and and some of the lessons learned. Could you just highlight you know how this event? Um, has influenced how the Seven Seas team thinks about risk and just um, tail tail end events or tail end like market events. Yeah, so you know this event largely kind of confirms a lot of the core ideas behind Real Yield USD, right, and Somalia more broadly. One thing is on diversification, so. The the asset that's like most comparable from like an exposure perspective to real yield USD is probably three pool three pool LP token, right? Uh, another one is Origin USD. It's another like or OUSD. That's another asset that simultaneously has like arbitrary exposure to Dai USDC USDT. Uh, the the key point is that having diversified exposure or being diversified in your exposure is really important, particularly for tail events like these, right? Um, we, we really, USD depositors really benefited from having Tether ex- exposure in this case. The funny thing is like, Tether is the thing that people have historically been really worried about, right? Like it's the thing that, uh, you know, if, it's always been the kind of idea that if you're being really conservative, you're limiting exposure to USDC. Uh, clearly, you know, again, there's all kinds of tail events. Um, we just we we can't account we can't explicitly account for every possibility, every kind of market condition that could arise. So, having diversification there is like the core benefit. Uh, that's that's one thing I think that is confirmed. You know, our our kind of reasoning for this. The second thing that's interesting is that you know Somalia vaults are some of the few vaults. Uh, in all of DeFi that can actually respond to these kind of arbitrary market events as they come up, right? Being able to look at things that aren't immediately reflected on chain, like news, right? Like gauging sentiment on social media, like, again, looking at news, anything, looking off chain at, you know, inflows and outflows on centralized exchanges. Uh, these are factors that should influence the on-chain vault strategy. But, you know, for pretty much any other vault provider, there's no mechanism to do that, right? And this just goes to show that the Somalia thesis of, you know, we need dynamic vaults, we need uh, more intelligent vaults is is very much true. Uh, The last thing is that, you know, this was kind of, uh, from the Seven Seas team perspective, this validates a lot of the work that we've been doing, which is, uh, you know, trying to prepare for these tail events by building by building like kind of data pipelines into various uh, various data sources, right? That stuff doesn't pay off on the day to day, but it's good to to feel that you know we were very much aware of things as they unfolded. There weren't any crazy events that we were blindsided by beyond you know like the news being released as it was. Uh, so a lot of this was validating from a personal and you know like an overall ecosystem perspective. Zakir son, did you happen to observe some of the other vault products in the market during this time and how they behaved? 
Uh, so I mentioned Origin USD. I don't believe that Origin did anything. I think they, so they also, in a sense, are diversified, which is, again, beneficial, but I don't think they actually reacted to the events, right? Like, another thing that Real USD did, which, again, like Somalia Vaults are uniquely able to do, is once that news came out that essentially SVB depositors would be made 100% whole, uh, there was a large arbitrage opportunity, right? So one strategy that Real USD did employ is slowly converting that um, die and tether back into USDC, you know, as as those are as those are opportunities kind of persisted. Uh, so you know, really being having this intelligent vault aspect is is the unique differentiator here, right? I I, I imagine a lot of vaults didn't do anything because they don't have the flexibility to right yeah yeah i would imagine something similar uh, just slow to react if, if they even react at all as well so um i think so before we shift to like community questions any anything else that we should mention sun or Zeki, before taking some audience questions no i think we're good okay so folks um if you Anyone have a question for Sun or Zucky in regards to this DPEG event? Just raise your hand and I can bring you to stage. Well, while folks are maybe thinking, um, Sun, I know the Seven Seas team is constantly evaluating new strategy opportunities. Is there anything on the horizon that y'all are looking at? There is something pretty exciting on the horizon. This name is TBD, but just for the memes, we can use this name for now. But uh, we're looking at pretty soon launching something like Real Yield ETH. Uh, that's you know an ETH product. I think we've kind of discussed it before on a previous space, but it's an ETH product that is best in class yields on Ethereum. The mechanism here is is heavily using like LSD products. Uh, that's what I can say now, but we're pretty excited about that. That I think is going to be a really compelling product alongside really old USD. Got it. Okay. It looks like Darren has a question. So let me um, add as a speaker. So Darren, go ahead and uh, ask your question once you connect. Hey, can you hear me? Yep. <clears throat> awesome. Uh, thanks on Zahi. Um, my question was like trying to understand more about how the um, seller architecture works. You, you mentioned how it like the the architecture is a lot more adaptive than the typical like auto compounder or whatever other vaults use. Um, can you describe more about yeah how exactly the the flip from automated strategy to like active management works and like what are what are the levers? Yeah, I can I can break that down a little bit. So. The in sommelier strategy, there's sort of an off chain. So there's like so every every time a so if you're a user of a strategy, you're interacting with the smart contract on Ethereum. Um, you're deploying funds into that smart contract. You get LP shares back, um, uh, and you can redeem your LP shares to to you know uh, to 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 get the uh, uh, underlying value that has been accumulated in the seller the profits of the seller plus your original assets um you know back um and so you essentially uh so that so that system 
is fully self-contained within Ethereum. When a seller makes a position adjustment, what happens is that um, typically a, the sort of normal flow is a strategist communicates with an application called Steward um, on that run that are validated. Um, Steward converts a set of instructions from the valid, from from a strategist to an ABI uh, encoded like call to this the strategy smart contract. Um, there's an agreement among the validator on that ABI call on chain, and then it gets propagated over the gravity bridge um, and executed. Um, and so typically a different a strategist will have software running 24 seven um, that interacts with the system that can look at market events, um, look at sources of data, et cetera, and react. There's also, but these, both the code, the software can be uh, sort of modified on the fly. Um, so in, in the event of, you know, something like this happening, um, you know, modifications may be needed to the process um, and it can go so far as sort of manual intervention. Um, you can also come back and like sort of, you know, move the, as, as Sun mentioned, you know, the policy of the strategy is if something unexpected happens in the market, we, we pull back from uni V3 um, and move into the, into the lending pools as uh, sort of our standard, as the sort of standard operating procedure um, in, in times of, of turbulence and uncertainty. Um, and so, but like, you know, the, like the strategy has certain, you know, certain targets um, in terms of its asset mix, et cetera, but those can be dynamically changed. So, you know, the normally, the, 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 the normally the vault is generally um, pretty heavily biased towards um, maintaining asset, you know, uh, get it, maximizing yield from UDP3 and is frequently, you know, about 50-50 tether USDC, but that asset preference can be changed. Um, and so this is the, these are the kinds of, of mechanisms that are available uh, within the sommelier architecture strategists. Darren, does that help clear things up? Do you have a follow-up Yeah, question? for sure. Um, I guess the, like a lot of the automation and like the, the amount of levers that a strategist puts into their stack is really controlled by however they, they build their strategy, right? So there's two layers of this. One is the strategy itself constrains the number of, le of levers that there can be pulled. So the smart contract itself. So in, the, in our current smart contract architecture, when we deploy, when a strategy is deployed, um, and there's like a governance process to change what, um, you know, what, uh, um, 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 uh, there's a governance process to change what is going, like what, uh, you know, uh, uh, DeFi protocols, et cetera, can be engaged by the strategy. But there's then there's within that set of constraints, within the, you know, you can hold the, like the strategy is allowed to hold the methods and interact with those protocols. Then there's a set of levers that the strategist and potentially, and then like in sort of, various disaster scenarios the validator set could pull to also to change the, the the positions gotcha thanks i'll let other people ask questions
Yeah, thanks for the, the question, Darren. Anyone else have anything on their mind? Okay, um, so just wrapping the, the space up, I know Sun mentioned that the Seven Seas team was working on uh, LST Vault for, for ETH and you know various variations of that and uh, creating best-in-class ETH yields. So that's in the works. Looking forward to more announcements about that. Zaki, anything on the sommelier side that you wanted to tease? Um, no. Um, I mean, things that we're very excited about is we put up a, a, a proposal on the forum talking about our work experimenting or like our intention to implement Axelar as a, as a new way. So right now, you know, that architecture that I mentioned earlier, where the strategists talk to the validators, the validators agree, and then execute the rebalance that happens over the gravity bridge that is running on, you know, Sommelier's own bridge to Ethereum. Um, we've discovered and like worked and researched um, running a very similar protocol over Axelar, which would give us the reach to everywhere that Axelar reaches. Um, so you could have sellers on every EVM chain that Axelar currently connects to, uh, which is... Um, Got it. Okay. So, yeah, another another exciting thing to look forward to on the sommelier side, uh, expanding to some new ecosystems. So that's all we, we wanted to cover today. Thanks for the great question, Darren, and thanks for tuning in, everyone else. Uh, look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Somalia Finance having a discussion, a debrief, if you will, on how real yield USD weathered the USDC DPEG. Recorded on Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening... Head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. All aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke rolls in when I start a session. Plank canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Just another fixed game of try my luck Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or put it in new speakers It's a toss up, driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor we take A little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling, less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little
little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble Spaces.